Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person, or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. struggle in my house about the size of tree that we get for Christmas. Here we went out and we cut our own. We went to one of those farms where you cut your own. I looked at it and I was like, that's about right. We got it home. It was like that scene from um, Christmas Vacation, right? The guy brings a tree in there. It's all wrapped up and you cut it and it starts shooting out everywhere. And we ended up probably with a 10 or 12 foot tree in our house. And my wife was like, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. We have a few artificial ones that kind of live in our house in various places. And the first artificial tree that we ever bought, we bought on what would become Facebook Marketplace, but it was on Facebook. Somebody was advertising it, and so we thought, you know, we want one. I, I did what I thought was my research, right? Like I went and I looked at it, got the name, and I saw and I saw pictures of it, and <laughs> really thought we were making a good deal, getting a good thing. So we went, and I we went to this seller at a restaurant somewhere. <clears throat> As I went to get the, the tree, it was still in a box. It was still sealed up, right? So it was original packaging, originally sealed up. And as I picked it up, I was like, man, this thing is light. Like, this doesn't feel like it ought to feel. So I picked it up, and I was like, well, you know, we'll see. And so I put it in the car, and we took it home. And, you know, I never really understood Charlie Brown until... John Campbell... There it is. I didn't really understand Charlie Brown until I put that tree together. Now, this isn't it, right? This is the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, right? But like we put this tree together, and it was the most disappointing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Other than the fact that you could plug it in, it had lights on it already, and it wasn't as much hassle as a regular tree. It was still, it wasn't what I thought it should have been, and I really had built it up in my own mind of what it was going to be like, and how awesome it was going to be, and how great it was going to be not to have to deal with all the, the stuff of a, of a real tree and all that. There's this, there's this crash that happens when reality or the, un, the understanding that we've created in our mind crashes with the reality of a situation. Whenever we get something that we really thought we wanted, but then we got it and all of a sudden it's like, yeah. People do that with jobs, right? We, we work somewhere for a long time and we see a job somewhere else and we think, man, that grass looks what? That grass looks a whole lot greener. Get over there and what happens? That place is a dump. I, I'm in real estate, and I, so I help people buy and sell houses. And I've helped two clients in my career buy houses that they didn't see before they put the offer in. The first one did not work out well. I was actually on vacation, and they really wanted it, and I put in an offer, and so I had another agent take him and look at it, and he called me while they were looking at it, and he was like, is it too late to pull our offer back? I was like, no, they've already accepted it one was a, was a better one. They, they were very happy with it. And it's kind of like when you go on vacation, you see all those, those ads on Verbo or some of those places, and you see the, the condos, you're like, you're not really sure what you're going to get until you get there, and oftentimes you're really disappointed. You see, our minds have unlimited time to make a picture, to 
craft the perfect scenario, to craft the perfect image, to, to craft the, 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 the ideal that's going to happen out there. And your mind just has all this time to create that and sets it out there. Then all of a sudden you reach that point and you see it and you're like, it really isn't what I thought it would be. And it's not like whenever air escapes slowly from a balloon, it's like whenever there's a pop, right? You stick it with a pin and all of a sudden all the air is gone and everything is just really, really bad. Life is filled with those moments. The buildup is intense, right? The, the, the worry, the want, the picture, what we see and what we want is really intense. Kim, you're going to have to advance because this isn't working. Skip, go ahead and more slide. The pop is nothing because nothing is really the big deal that you think it's going to be. I can't tell you how many times I sat in church meetings and we decided that we were going to put this program in place or we were going to do this. And we all had these grand images of, of the growth that would happen and the people that would touch, the lives would be touched and the pews that we fill with people and all this stuff. And then when re, whenever reality hit, whenever it came to actually happening, it didn't really pan out, did it? So somewhere along the way, we learned to temper our enthusiasm. Kind of call that whatever you want to call it. It's really you become jaded towards life. Lower expectations. And I've got a bad habit. My wife told me about this. I'm like, look, if you don't expect anything out of people, you won't ever be disappointed. And so we lower our expectations to a point to where you're not disappointed. And we can call it a lot of things, right? We can call it being wise. We can call it being shrewd. We can call it being smart. In the end, it's a really dangerous path that leads us to, to cynicism. We don't expect anything of anyone, and where we don't anticipate anything good ever happening, it becomes this infectious thing that grows and breathes and lives within us. Because the letdowns are so ferocious. And, you know, it's hard to argue with protecting yourself, right? It's really hard to argue. Now, I don't know how many here are UT fans. I'm not looking for a show of hands. But I'm a UT fan. And they did it to us again this year. I had so much anticipation. And we got beat by Georgia, which wasn't a surprise. Uh, watch it now. Watch it. But then we go into South Carolina and just get embarrassed, right? Or if you're a Titans fan, like every time we come in on Sunday morning, we ask the question, well, the Titans going to win today? And we're like, who knows? We'll see who shows up. Or whether it's politics, right? I don't even want to talk about that. Or family. Sometimes those letdowns are so ferocious that we don't even know how to come back from them. And you see, the list of letdowns can be so long that their disappointment can become crippling. And they become so crippling that it becomes hard for us to see the good in anybody, right? It's hard for us to see people accept what they're doing as just good, something good that they're doing. Or we see good actions and accept them as good actions. Or we see a good product and we accept a good product. Now, okay, well, next slide. If you're mildly an NFL fan, you know what this guy did on Thursday night, right? This is Baker Mayfield. On Monday night, he was cut by the Carolina Panthers. 7 p.m. on Tuesday, he arrived in L.A. On Thursday night, he led a fourth quarter that was amazing. 
It was an amazing fourth quarter comeback that he had. And it was this amazing, just all the things. See, And it looked like he'd been dealing with those receivers and all that stuff. And, and it looked like he was just, like, but he was in a zone and it was all happening. It was this beautiful thing that kind of all came together. So on, on Thursday night football, they, they have the, they have everybody come in. They'll have the players of the game come and they'll have them sit on set with these guys. And so they had him come and sit on set, and everybody was so happy about what he had done on that night. Like his career's been a little shaky, let's admit, right? His career's everybody was happy except for this guy right here. This is Tony Gonzalez. And from the moment that they started talking about how good he had done that night, Gonzalez was like, well, yeah, but this, and well, yeah, but that. And so even when he came, he sat on the stage with him. Everybody was like, man, it was, so, and it was just really good stuff. And then he was sitting there going, well, but what about this? And what about this? And then the lady finally said, look, just stop. Just let him live in this moment and enjoy what he did tonight. Let him enjoy what is happening right now. See, that's life. We get so run down by everything that happens that it becomes hard to see good stuff anymore in people, or times, or activities, or anything. And sometimes we, you, everybody needs to be reoriented, right? We need to be turned around. You know, that was the thing about last week when, when um, Jeff talked about John the Baptist, and he talked about how when all those people came to him, and he was like, you've got to turn love the image that Jeff had of sitting on the stage and it's like, you know, I, you can tell me what's going on behind me, but unless I turn and I see what's going on behind me, I really can't get a grasp on what is happening. And so what about you, right? What about you and me? This is week three of Advent. Today starts week three of Advent. and our, The theme for this week is joy. So every, if you follow it and you read and you do this, these devotionals, everything is about joy. And this is a significant idea that we need to come to terms with. You see, the arrival of Jesus, the impending arrival of Jesus as the season is all about, is about joy. It's about restoring the joy that has been robbed of us. Or that somewhere along the way we became, we became so jaded that we discarded our joy and we decided to look at life in a totally different way because that was the only way that we could be safe and we could feel comfortable in life. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I enjoy the Advent season so much, the Christmas season so much, because the joy of life is renewed. The joy of anticipation is renewed as we wait for the Savior. The joy of better things to come is renewed because of Jesus the joy not only of things to come, because we can't live there, we have to live now. The joy of things now is renewed as we think about Jesus and think about what He offers us. Don't you want that? I want to live a life that is wrapped up in joy. I want to live a life that's wrapped up in negativity. Negativity is soul-crushing. Soul-crushing. Relationally, I don't know if, you, if you're a negative person, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but people probably avoid you. I can guarantee you that if you are a person who is perpetually negative, I'm going to do my best to not be around you. Don't take it personal, it's just who you are. Who wants to be around somebody that constantly complains about everything? Charles? I don't. Who wants to be around somebody that all they do is find the bad, the dark cloud, everything, the Eeyore in the room? I 
just can't be with that. That's something I've chosen not to be around in my life. Emotionally, negativity is a soul killer. If you allow negativity to inhabit your emotion, it will drive you into a place that you can't get out of by yourself. Physically, right? The studies are out there. If you live a negative life, if your life is hallmarked by negativity, you know what it will do to your your body? It will create chronic stress that will kill you. It's not just something that happens in your mind. It negatively impacts your life. Being negative will literally make you sick. Aren't you tired of it? problem is, is that negativity drives our news cycles. Negativity drives our political machines. Negativity drives our sports. I mean, like the dude that was, uh, like Tony Gonzalez, like that, people are going to be sitting up there going, yeah, I'm glad he said that about Baker Mayfield. He's not that great. And, you know, they're talking about one section of his career, one quarter that was really, really spectacular. Let's enjoy that moment for a change, huh? Negativity is toxic, it's pervasive, but it doesn't have to be permanent. Negativity doesn't have to be a part of your life. How about this? How about you disinvite negativity from your life? Let's turn off social media. Let's stop watching the news. Let's we get into a conversation we know is going to end up in the dump, how about we try and direct that somewhere else? Maybe we don't participate in them at all. And here's one that may be hard for you to hear. The world will keep turning if they don't hear your opinion on everything. And the world will keep turning if you don't hear everybody's opinion on the world either. Try it for an hour. Try it for a day. Try it for a week. we're not intentional about the way we live our lives, our lives will run us over and run us down. Consider this year, John the Baptist moment. It's time to turn around and stop living in a place that does not honor God. Because I don't believe that negativity honors God. In the text for today, John the Baptist is going to have one of those moments Last week, Jeff spoke about John the Baptist and all those people coming to be baptized and those brood of vipers that were coming to be baptized and coming to watch. And John essentially tells them, you've got to turn around in order to see what's coming. You've got to turn around in order to see what is out there. You've got to turn around. And this week, though, we find ourselves and we find John in a completely different situation. Go ahead and kick that text up there. And this is from Matthew 11, 2-11. John, who was in prison about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. John's disciples are leaving. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A beast swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? 
A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yeah. I'll tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See, a lot's happened from this picture, Campbell. A lot's happened from this picture last week as, as John the Baptist was by the lake there baptizing people to this next picture. Where John the Baptist is sitting in a jail cell. And Jesus says there in text that John is a prophet. So this isn't surprising. This is not even a surprising result for John the Baptist. This is what it is to be a prophet in that time. It was dangerous business calling religious leaders vipers. Constantly calling them out for their bad behavior was bad for his health and soon would cost him his head. Calling the people to repentance was not good for his health. So can you blame John for wondering what he wondered in this text? Because the mind of of Israel had a long time to build up the image of what the Messiah was going to look like. A long time, right? Just during the life of John, a long time they'd been building this image of what this Messiah would be. And they were hyped about what the Messiah would look like. And So the, the Jews, what were they looking for? What type of Messiah were they looking for? Anybody? A king. They wanted a king. They wanted a warrior because they wanted their land back. They wanted that king to come in and drive out those Romans and get rid of all the bad people and return Israel to this prominence physical prominence within the land so that they could be who they were supposed to be. They wanted change. They wanted justice. And they wanted it now. But what did they get? They got a baby born in a manger. Again, we can be confused by John's words here because we know the, the big picture. Like we look at this and we don't just see this It's part of of John's story. But that's all John sees. John's done his work. John's done the work. And now he's in prison. He's wondering, is this really the Messiah? John's been faithful to his calling as as a prophet. He's prepared the way. He's told the truth. He's not held back. And now he's about to lose his head. And so he sends his followers. He sends them to Jesus. And he says, "Are, are you the one? There's somebody else coming because I don't think you're the one. Sitting in this prison cell, it doesn't feel like you're the one, Jesus. Why haven't you overthrown the government yet? Why haven't you sent the Romans packing? Why haven't you exalted Israel back to its prominence? Why am I in prison? If you are the one, why is life like Our, our brain is a tricky thing, right? Like it's magnificent and God's done some amazing things and but it's also detrimental. If, if you view life as a, as a narrative, as a, as a flat line, when something happens that we don't expect, it creates this gap in our understanding because we didn't expect that to happen. Like if I fell off this stage, that would create a gap in this whole sermon. <laughs> it, might, it might be over at that point, right? 
So I used to preach at, we had this stage, and it was way back from everybody. And so I would go and I'd stand on the edge, and there was a guy who would tell me, he said, every time you stand on the edge, it really makes me nervous. I'm afraid you're going to fall off. And if I fell off, you guys would start thinking, okay, why did that happen? Did you not see the edge? Were you not paying attention? So what your brain does is he starts, your brain starts backfilling into that gap to, to pull it together to help you have some type of understanding. Oftentimes it's backfilling with bad bad stuff, bad information, incomplete information. Say your your manager at work calls a meeting and three or four of you are sitting there and he doesn't show up on time. This guy over here goes, well, that's just like management. They don't care anything about us. They think their time is more important than ours. This guy over here sitting sitting over here thinking, man, I hope he didn't get into a wreck. I hope he's okay. The reality situation is maybe his boss called him and he had to go to a different meeting. But you see, when something unexpected happens, your your brain tries to fill in that with information that is oftentimes incomplete. Oftentimes it's flawed. Our brain works to fill the gaps. It's it becomes really hard to see what we need to see and understand what we need to understand. How many of y'all have ever seen this picture right here? If you've seen it, don't ruin it for everybody else. There's something in there. Not at me if you see it. Some people have seen this before, right? When our brains look at that, we're looking for a lot of things. Maybe there's a tree back here. The next picture shows us there's a dog in that picture, right? You see, if you go back to the picture before, you can't unsee that, right? You say, oh, well, there's a dog right there. But you see, if you see that the first time, your brain's trying to process all this and put it out, and you really don't know what you're looking at until somebody points it out. So John asked Jesus through his disciples, through his followers, he says, are you the one? And Jesus says, go back and report what you see and what you hear. The blind, they receive their sight. The lame, they get to walk again. Those who have leprosy and have been outcast from society, they get to rejoin society. They get their lives back. The deaf here, they get a new lease on life that is amazing. The dead are raised. Good news is proclaimed to the poor, the marginalized. See, when John looks at these things and he sees these snippets of reports, I mean, I couldn't help but be a little cynical and be like, oh, did that really happen? Are they really saying the right thing? Are they just trying to make themselves look good? Are these may just be random things that may be connected together? But Jesus clears it up for him and says, I'm about business of the kingdom. I'm about redeeming this world for God about ridding the world of death and decay and ugliness that comes with the fall of man, giving life back, giving identity back. I'm doing what God has sent me to do. John got a dose of his own medicine, right? You got to turn around and you got to see. You got to see what's going on. Because the lens that you're looking through right now is not the lens through which you're going to see the Messiah. The lens you're looking through right now, you're going to be ever disappointed if you keep looking at life through this lens. And 
That includes us. If we keep looking at life through the same lens, will we ever get anything different than we've always, always got? We'll always be disappointed. We'll always be upset. We'll always be negative because we keep looking through the same lens. And maybe it's time we stop looking through that bad lens and we start trying to see the good. We start trying to see what God is doing. We start looking for God where God needs to be. I mean, don't you want your joy back? I want my joy back. Instead of looking for the bad and judging everything as being suspicious, we start looking for the evidence of good in the world. Instead of, be, instead of being satisfied with bad and negativity, we decide, you know what, that's not where I'm going to live my life. We've got to do the work. We've got to do the hard work of seeing God in the world around us. Because that's where the joy is seen. Your joy back, it's time to turn around. It's time to <clears throat> live in this moment and appreciate the good things in this moment. It's time for you to uninvite negativity from your life. It's time to live in this moment and not invite the hardness and the pain of yesterday to live here and the what-ifs of tomorrow to live here, but just to live here now. And to be here now. Because that's what I want. I'm tired of trading the greatness of the kingdom for the mess of this world. I believe that God offers so much more. So much more. Pray with me. God, help us to not be jaded. God, help us to look around and see you at work in the world. God, help us to see good, to see good people, to see you at work and to praise You in those moments, and to love You in those moments, and to be inspired by You in those moments. Help us to be what You have created us to be, and what the world is trying to make us into. We love You. We thank You. In Jesus' name, amen. Brian's going to come, and he's going to lead us to the table. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.